0: York Giants are victorious. Welcome to another episode, episode 130 of the Giant Take Podcast. I am Josh and I am joined by my co host, Alex. Giants 13, Eagles 7, NFC East win, victory, whatever you want to call it, uh, against our rivals there in Philly. You know, this tension has been brewing for the last two years. We clip those wings, we chop those wings. We would, whatever Alex is doing with his fingers uh you know that he wants to indicate there to everyone watching and listening. Uh we appreciate you for joining us in this episode. If you are new, the Giant Take Podcast, we give you all of the previews and recaps you are looking for, as well as content left and right on the YouTube channel, on the Twitter, on the Instagram, on the TikTok, the Giant Take Pod on most of those platforms, the Giant Take Podcast on YouTube. Uh, you know, if you're listening right now, we appreciate That you are joining us because we're going to talk all about this game, what we liked, what we didn't like, and we will not give you any BS or anything that we feel shouldn't be mentioned because we're not the Giants. We're we're ourselves. We got our own opinions. Uh, And I would first like to start off with this was a sloppy game. We were on the right side of this sloppy performance. We were able to get it done. And Alex,
1: how does it feel uh, to beat the Eagles? It feels great to beat the Eagles, you look at the scoreline, you look at the result, you see the W in the W column, and you're you're all happy. But if you watch the game, I think if you if you're any fan with eyes, you could see that there was it was not it was not great certainly today, uh, especially offensively, defensively. We had a few odd moments as well. Obviously, right at the end there with Jalen Rager, uh, which we'll get into more later. But it's just it it's it's unnerving a bit. How the how the gameplay ended up playing out, especially when we looked more comfortable kind of going into the fourth quarter from the third quarter and how we kind of make these games so close and so heart wrenching so easily. Um, and that's just the big problem. Obviously, we had the new I'm not going to say offensive coordinator, right? We can't say that because Joe Judge doesn't want to say that even the postgame press conference. No, no, no. We have offensive coaches um, who did a spectacular job. I don't know if that's what he said, um, but I'm assuming he said something like they did a very good job or something. But anyway, they did not seem to know exactly what was going on, um, and it seemed very Jason Garrett esque in terms of the play calling. But uh, besides that, you know, obviously we have lots more to talk about in this in this game. But Josh, why don't, why don't we start with this with the offensive play calling since that's kind of what all the news has been about this week.
0: Yeah, Alex, I agree with you. I didn't know which way you wanted to take it because we can go all sort of types of ways. I I think we say the last drive because there is a lot of stuff to nail down on that to last because it was the quote-unquote last drive. Uh, So we'll do that. You want to talk about the offensive play calling? Sure. So we went through uh, this whole week with a few different changes, starting out with the transition from offensive coordinator Jason Garrett to offensive coordinator for only today's game that I will say was – Freddie Kitchens. He was in Daniel Jones' ear, as, lo- along with uh, Daniel Jones having the play sheet on his arm to get him through this game, to navigate through the play sheet. And there was also a report about Kenny Galladay, how the Giants wanted to get him more involved. Uh, there was a, the story this morning with Kim Jones that I saw, NFL Network reporter, and she has a lot of relationships in the Giants' system. Uh, that she basically came out with a report on Kenny Galladay that Joe Judge earlier in the week, I think it was on Monday, called him to the front of the plane or something. Uh, and he thought he was in trouble, Galladay did. But it was actually Joe Judge saying, hey, we're going to get you more involved. We're going to get you your first touchdown. The Giants were really intent on doing that in today's game. The following day after Judge talked to Galladay, offensive coordinator Jason Garrett was fired. So that's something to think about. And then we go to today it was targeted a little bit more. You know, he had a few catches here and there. I can read the direct stats when I go through my stat, you know, little report later uh, in the episode. But, you know, but I guess just saying when it comes to the offensive play calling, Alex, that we're talking about, Stefanski, Stefanski, St- why in the preview episode, in the recap episode, I love the Cleveland Browns so much, I guess. Not Stefanski, former Browns head coach, Freddie Kitchens, stepped in today called Offensive Plays, and Alex and I wanted to talk about this before we hopped on here live, when, or, you know, when we're recording this live, whatever. It'll come out tomorrow morning, uh, Monday morning, for everyone listening or watching. Um, you know, when when talking about it before we recorded, we wanted to get on the same page here, and we said, really, it wasn't anything too crazy different from Jason Garrett. I noticed that it seemed like he ran the ball a little more, bit more intently, you know, ran the ball a little bit more... I don't know if it was just Daniel Jones or if he told him specifically, but I feel like Daniel Jones would step up in the pocket uh, more in this game, which was a good sign because when he did that, he completed a few different throws. We moved the ball down the field, and I, I don't know how much that lands on the offensive coordinator and different play calls or how much that lands on the Giants offense itself. And the one big thing that we saw was a little flea flicker. It was a handoff to a running back. Maybe it was Barkley. Flipped it back to Jones. We got a nice completion there for about 16 yards. I want to say something around that lot those lines. Besides that, I didn't really see that much. I've been talking for a while, Alex. So I want to get your uh, thoughts on this because you did bring up the subject of the Giants' offensive play calling. So what do you got on this?
1: In terms of the play calling, it was similar. We saw a few things with Kenny Galladay that I thought were interesting. We saw kind of Daniel Jones just... You know, his first read snaps the ball, just kind of looks at Kenny Galladay and threw it right to him. Obviously, Darius Slay was on him the whole time, and I thought he did excellent coverage on Galladay. There, were, I believe, there was maybe two or three kind of contested catch balls. The only thing I would say with that is Daniel Jones threw it so that Galladay kind of had to get around Darius Slay. If, like, let's say Darius Slay is in front of me here, you know, Galladay had to kind of like reach his arms around to catch the ball. And I think something like, you know, that would be better for Daniel Jones and, you know, when Galladay, if they can communicate this better, is kind of just to get it so that he puts the ball where only Galladay can reach it, you know, throw it higher, throw it, you know, deeper towards the sideline in which Galladay can get it and Darius Slay cannot. Um, So I saw that, you know, on both of those throws, I believe they were both towards the end zone um, that it was kind of like he threw it almost right at Darius Slay expecting that Galladay could somehow, you know, get, it's not a contested catch when the ball's not like above them, right? It was, it was like around, if that makes any sense. Anyone who saw them understands what I'm saying. Anyone who didn't see it is wondering what the hell I'm talking about, but just, just watch some of those Galladay contested catches. And you'll understand what I'm saying. Um, in terms of, in terms of the offensive line in that impact with the play calling, the offensive line did not change; it was still horrendous everywhere, apart from Andrew Thomas. Um, and Andrew I, I, Thomas, yeah.
0: No, I was just gonna say I would agree. I mean, we're not changing how our offensive line does things, though.
1: I, I'm not saying necessarily, but in the way that we use the offensive line, do we do some quicker throws because our offensive line's not? It seemed very Jason Garrett-esque in the way we in the in our style of in our style of usage in the run game. In the style in which we throw the ball, we didn't really, you know, we didn't really have quick passes. We did a lot of play action, even though the play action, they didn't really bite on the play action because we weren't getting anything going in the run game. Uh, So that, you know, there's almost no point of play action at that point. That's why sometimes you see these teams that primarily pass the ball, such as the Bills, for example, you rarely see the Bills use play action because we know they don't run the ball well. So that that's that's one of the reasons why. Um, and Nate Soldier just sucks. He sucks so bad. I, I know it's like not really to do with offensive play calling, but I'm just going to the offense in general now because I kind of hit on the play calling. Nate Soldier needs to go. Like what the hell? Why like who whoever decided that Nate Soldier for any reason should be starting over Matt Parrot is just delusional. Because there's no way in the world that anyone could be worse than Nate Soldier. Nate Solder like should be playing golf right now. I texted Josh that he should be going to play golf. It's ridiculous. The guy just stands there, and people run right past him, through him, around him, probably under him. No idea what the hell is going on there. Over him, they probably jump over him. Probably like leans down a little bit. He literally invites rush edge rushers to the quarterback, and it's just so frustrating. Um, and it just, there's no way Matt Parrot could be any worse. I I'm desperate. I know we've been saying this every week, Matt Parrot needs to start. There's nothing worse that could happen with Matt Parrot than there is with Nate Solder. At least Matt Parrot like moves a little bit, you know, Matt Parrot's also been known for standing still sometimes, but at least he moves a little bit. Nate Solder is a statue at the offensive tackle position.
0: I think, Alex, it's funny because we said it last episode, a bunch of other Giants content creators, a bunch of other Giants fans, they go uh, on their places of media, whether it is podcasts, YouTube channels, Twitter accounts, Instagram. I don't care. Well, I felt like we, we've done this last week. We've done this multiple weeks. Matt Parrott needs to be starting next week. I need to see it happen. Right? It's always so frequent. We said that so many times this season. We said it last week for sure. And yet it's Nate Soldier right back out there again. So I don't know if we want to give this guy a chance. I don't know. Maybe you know the coaches just don't think he's ready. But how ready are you gonna get when we're just not gonna use Matt Peart in replacing Nate Soldier, right? I, I I don't know when. I don't know. I don't know when. Like if it's not now, if it's not yeah, if it's not now, when? I mean, there's no better time for a second year player to come in. And and you can't say oh, he's not ready yet. Because I, I don't feel that as a valid excuse because he's been ready. He played a lot of snaps last season. He's played snaps this season. So what are we waiting for? What? Like, I I really need to know. I, I'm I'm, you know, I'm kind of that upset. I'm saying it like I'm on a FaceTime with Joe Judge right now. But like, the, like the way I'm saying it is like what? Like what? What's the deal? What? What's the issue? What? Like,
1: what could possibly be worse about Matt Parrot starting? There's no way that Nate Solder gives us a better chance to win than Matt Parrot. That's all I'm like. That that would be the only excuse that Joe Judge would make. He'd be like, you know, we want to win. We don't want to worry about development. Blah blah blah. He's not helping us win. He's helping us lose. And when we don't lose, it's not because of him. Let's just be honest there. And, and with the offensive line, we're not, getting any, we're not opening any holes in the run game. Saquon Barkley is struggling mightily because of this. He had one like breakaway run, but besides that, he was stuffed. There was, there was two plays, I believe, where literally Daniel Jones was still handing the ball off to him, and Alex Singleton was already in the backfield tackling him. How is that possible? Fletcher Cox was one of them, too. He did that one time, too. How is that possible? I I don't understand, like, when you snap, when the ball is snapped, surely you, like, put your arm, like, I'm not an offensive lineman, right, it's easy to say this from my couch, or from my chair at this point right now, but, like, you'd think you just, like, put your hands out, like, kind of block for a second, you know, like, just a second, at least, so that he can hand the ball off, I, I don't understand, it's just this offensive line needs a total revamp, Andrew Thomas, send him on vacation, and we need to get a whole new unit next to him. And then he can come back and be like, oh, this is much better. Because right now, I would hate to be Andrew Thomas because he's on this terrible offensive line. And it's just awful. And I'd hate to be Daniel Jones as well. Or Saquon Barkley. Or anyone that has to deal with them, to be honest.
0: Yeah, and my father made a joke today saying that was Saquon's longest rush in three years. <laughs> uh, the today, when he broke out for a few you know, I, I'm going to go to the offensive stats in a minute and then we can head to the defense because that was a big factor in this game, Alex, because we're really stuck on offense right now. But the next thing is, like, what do you what else are you going to say? Because you can't say, oh, yeah, we're here to win football games like, you know, Nate Soldier is going to really because he's not like like you were saying, he's helping us lose football games. And then you can't also go on the line and be like, hey, we're trying to contend for a playoff spot. OK. So put Pearden then if you're trying to contend for a playoff spot. Because if you want to build for the future, right? We're trying to build for the future. We're trying to win games. The only way to do that is to not play the older, worse guy. It's to play the younger person who's trying to develop in his career in the NFL and get to the point of success and in order to gain knowledge. And develop your skills at a certain position in the NFL or in anything, even in a job position. Someone who's going to work tomorrow as an accountant, right? You got your experience as being an accountant from doing the actual work of accounting. You didn't do something else. You weren't sitting at your house and just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Two years later, you're just like, yep, I'm an accountant now. Guys, it's it's all great. (laughs) You weren't just sitting so,
1: on your sitting on your ass playing Sudoku.
0: You you know, you were doing shit. <laughs> like, right, you were calculating the numbers and now you're an accountant and you're going to work as an accountant. So, it's the same deal with Matt Perrett. If we're just going to sit on the bench and come in every other play, okay, is that really going to accomplish development in his career? No. So, he needs to step in. We need to make the change. I get we paid Soldier money, we adjusted his contract, now it's lower, so that shouldn't even be a problem either, that we're paying him so many millions of dollars, because he adjusted his contract to help the team.
1: And he's gone at the end of this year, right? There's no way that he's staying, right? There's just, you know, he's going to get paid more money next year, it just makes sense, you just have to cut him. So, at that point, you're looking like, hey, we got to replace three interior offensive line positions already, right? We got three guys in there who probably need to be replaced. If we're being completely honest with ourselves, do I think they will be not necessarily, but hopefully at least a couple of them are, wouldn't it be nice to know, Hey, maybe we don't have to replace the right tackle position. Let's see how Matt Pert does. Let's give him six, seven games. Could he be a nice, you know, maybe he's not the franchise right tackle, but could he be a nice fill in the gap kind of player who could either be a nice backup for us or someone who we can have starting next year? Right, because we're not going to be able to draft four offensive linemen or pick four starting caliber ones up in free agency. Some people are going to have to stay. So, is that going to be Matt Skura or is that going to be Matt Parr? Right, it would be good to know. And it's not like it's hurting us right now by putting him in. That it's just we're talking about this too much now, but it's it's just mightily annoying.
0: Right, it's not the Nate Soldier podcast. Yeah, Uh, (sighs) I would like to say that, but don't even forget, Alex. We have a center in Billy Price. And the man is 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 pretty old, uh, for for a center in the league. So we're gonna also have to.
1: Isn't he younger? I thought, no, Skirt Billy, Billy, Billy Price. Billy Price is twenty five. I want to say
0: there is no way Billy Price is twenty five. Look
1: up, look up his age. I'm pretty sure Billy Price is like twenty five ish, because he's a third year guy in the NFL. Twenty seven.
0: Okay, uh, twenty seven. Okay, he's twenty seven. Cl-
1: in between what we're both saying.
0: Uh, right. So we have a center and Billy Price. That's that's there right now. But don't forget, we also had a really good center before he before he got injured, obviously. So I mean, I would um, also say
1: Nick Gates. You know, we Giants fans love Nick Gates. I love Nick Gates, but I wouldn't say he's necessarily a starting caliber offensive lineman. But he's solid, so he doesn't. For, for, he's a starting center. Yeah, but I don't think he was the best center ever, right? You know, no,
0: but uh, I think he's better than Billy Price.
1: Yeah, but that's also not all right, much. all
0: right, all right. This isn't the offensive line. This isn't line the offensive podcast. line. Okay. We'll
1: talk about that in the offseason.
0: <laughs> to to finish off the bullet point that we have here though, Alex, Freddie Kitchens didn't didn't change the role that Jason Garrett had, right? He didn't fully transition this team, right? I, I just wanna so we can get the offense. It's done. very
1: similar, yes. Offense yes. is done now.
0: <laughs> he, I mean he had the Giants score 13 points today. Yes. So that that kind of tells you to go into the stats of it as I as I like to do frequently. We had Daniel Jones today, 19 for 30, 202 yards and a touchdown. Saquon Barkley now, Alex, I get it. It's an offensive line issue, but it's also a Saquon Barkley because he's had a bad offensive line his entire career. And I know it's an even mix on both. Yeah, yes, it's bad offensive line. Yes, it's also Saquon Barkley, I think too, because he's had a bad offensive line his whole career and he's been able to do very, very well. I just still haven't seen the Saquon Barkley of old. And that just might be because he's getting older. He's getting more injured. So he's not as, first of all, explosive as he was when he was a few years younger. And as explosive as he was before injuries one, two, and three stacked up, right? So it's like, I I think that just definitely could be a reason. So he's just not Saquon Barkley of old. Uh, But he had 13 carries for 40 yards. Uh, That's about three yards carry. Daniel Jones, like I said, I did see a lot more Daniel Jones runs today. Uh, I think that did have to do with Freddie Kitchens. I know he ran beforehand. I just think uh, Kitchens might have emphasized that a little bit more. Nine carries, thirty yards. Again, about three yards a carry.
1: I book One thing I wanted to mention about Daniel Jones. I know a lot of people are like, you know, Daniel Jones is running. He's not a. He's not a, a scrambling quarterback. He's not a running quarterback. He's a pocket passer who happens to have some speed. <laughs> if that makes any sense. And
0: that's what you need in the modern day NFL.
1: Yes, but I like I wouldn't put him in the conversation with someone like a Jalen Hurts, someone like a Lamar Jackson, someone like a Kyler Murray, a Russell Wilson, even because he he doesn't have that kind of shiftiness. He has he is he's fast when he gets going like in it like in a long distance sprint, but he's not like quick and agile through the tackles like someone like Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray or even Russell Wilson.
0: I mean, I completely agree with you, but he does have, you know, Lamar Jackson speed, like you said, in the long run, like we saw in the Eagles game, uh, when he absolutely collapsed instead of getting a touchdown, Uh, right to where I was getting back to my point of stats. We had Devontae Booker, didn't see him a lot today, Uh, three carries, 10 yards. And then Kenny Galladay, like I said, he was targeted, I believe, seven times, three catches, 50 yards, no touchdowns still. So no touchdown for the four-year, $72 million man uh Darius Slayton three catches 40 yards Evan Ingram three catches 37 yards so we're still being diverse when it comes to who we're throwing to so I guess that's a good thing and that'll do it for the offense because we can circle back to it uh later in this episode I I do think though the defense was a big part of this game so Alex since I started with the offense how about you start with the defense
1: I thought the defense played well today. Obviously, we had a few issues: Darnay Holmes going down, Adore Jackson going down. So we had some guys fill in. We ended up having um, Julian Love come back, uh, come down to the slot. We saw Aaron Robinson on the outside most of the time. I thought he played very well. There was a couple, you know, bits and pieces. For example, the last play on the Jalen Rager almost touchdown that he messed up a bit, but overall, I thought he was very solid. but JRP two stepped in a little
0: bit the new isaac Yadam number 27
1: yes the new isaac Yadam number 27 he, you know he's fine uh i'm <laughs> not gonna say anything um james bradbury was i don't even think targeted like once or twice maybe like i, I don't even remember him being in the game if i'm being completely I, honest
0: i saw him in the giants TikTok after they won saying you know we'll win you know any way we can and i was like you played today yeah, I thought James Bradbury was injured. I was like, "What?"
1: Here's the thing: when you're a corner and you don't know and you don't know that they're in the game, that's usually a good thing because that means they're not being targeted. Usually means their man's not open. So overall, good from him. Dexter Lawrence, I thought had a good game. He was getting some nice interior pressure. Obviously, he forced the fumble at the end on uh, Boston Scott. I-, I was, I thought he was solid, and he he seemed to really disrupt the pocket a bit for Jalen Hurts. Ojalari and Roche I thought were decent setting the edge besides that getting pressure on the quarterback not really you know Roche had a I think Roche was worse than Ogilari in terms of getting to the quarterback we really didn't get a lot of pressure on Jalen Hurts today um, so that
0: was a big problem I think it was better than when we played Tom Brady but I would agree that it wasn't as much pressure we got in there still haven't finished a job with Saxo that, that's yeah. something I would like to emphasize. Sorry.
1: Leonard Williams again was non-existent I felt like today um, you know I thought Dexter Lawrence for example, got much more involved than someone like Leonard Williams um, which is disappointing, it's upsetting but Leonard Williams just needs to get his needs to get his crap together. Um, in terms of McKinney obviously got another pick. Xavier McKinney is a real ball Hawk and just a really great player making very solid tackles. Um, And Tay Crowder, I thought, played well today as well. And uh, that, I mean, I'm not going to go over every single player, but those were some of the guys that stood out to me in terms of the players that played really well. I'd go Dexter Lawrence, I'd go Xavier McKinney, and I'd go Julian Love. Those are my three standout guys on defense from uh, today.
0: I thought Julian Love was not lucky. Uh, but I mean, he was able to scoop up the fumble. So like, I wouldn't give all the credit to him. He didn't strip it, but a good job by him to be able to. No, I'm not up. saying
1: because of that. I thought there was multiple pass no. breakups that he had and stuff like that. That would go. Okay. Sorry. I
0: wasn't, I wasn't stepping on your toes, Alex. I was just talking about the fumble, the, the fumble recovery that like that. Yeah, I, that I know. That's I, was, I, was I,
1: I wasn't referencing that in terms of his good performance. You
0: were though, because you were I like, no, that's why. you were like, that's not why I gave him my player of the game.
1: Well, no, that's not why I'm saying that because what I thought was most impressive is when he stepped into the slot and he was able to break up a few passes. That's what I thought was impressive. And he was on Dallas Goddard at certain points. I thought he played Mm -hmm. well against him Mm -hmm. who got completely shut down despite being my X factor. I guess that's a good and my thing.
0: Ex, and that's so funny that you went to that because it's like, we, we think alike. We think alike. Co hosts think alike here because I was about to say Devonta Smith. This kind of alludes to our X factors because that just shows how good, quote unquote, the Shines defense was today and how bad this Eagles offense was today. Uh, you, you know, I had Smith. He didn't do so well. You had Goddard. He didn't do so well. To break it down a little bit more, I'll tell you the stats on both of them. It was uh, Smith with two catches for 22 yards. Goddard with one catch for zero yards. So, technically, I won this week, but I wouldn't brag about that. So, uh, it wasn't anything crazy. If you were to choose a player of the game, it would be Boston Scott.
1: Who I did mention very clearly. In the yes, you
0: mentioned him as the Giants killer, but the tides have turned. It's flipped, whatever you want to call it, because no more. We, we were able to kind of break that down. He really lost on this game, but not really, because there was that final drive. Uh, Which uh, I know I keep on like alluding to it, but they they shot
1: themselves in the foot, no pun intended, um, with the you know Giants history. But anyway, um, yeah, they really shot themselves in the foot in terms of losing this game. I wouldn't say the Giants killed them in any way; they just killed them. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say that they just really screwed themselves.
0: Giants screwed themselves. Graham cano specifically with a 51 yard field goal miss. We don't see that a lot from from the.
1: Mr. The Goat Ganel, no, not often.
0: Yeah, the Goat Ganel, seriously. Uh, and then we had, oh, we didn't mention this on the uh, on the uh, offensive side of things. Myrak, uh, Myrick. Myrick I- I'm sorry, if I'm per- mispronouncing. But the the player who was, res- uh, uh, what what's number forty one?
1: Elevated yeah, but, um, from the practice squad. Elevated,
0: not elevated, elevated, relevated.
1: relevated Relef-
0: Elevated from the Giants practice squad for this game due to the injured Kyle Rudolph and Caden Smith, right? Yep. Uh Yeah. So he was elevated from the practice squad and made a humongous like DeAndre Hopkins type leg catch uh, in the end zone. Eagles uh, players all thought he was down. You know, the ball was in the ground. It wasn't. It was a great catch by him. So I'd like to mention that there. So uh, there was that. So, okay. Uh, I, I would agree. Leonard Williams, I didn't see a lot of him. Xavier McKinney, good job. He almost had two interceptions, Alex, on that final drive. He stepped in, completely read, uh Jalen Hurts, and almost picked it off, and that's why he plays safety and not wide receiver, uh, because he was not able to come up with that, literally in his hands, in and out of his hands, but I don't blame him. He was kind of running in, you know, hitting the receiver clash, so it uh, wasn't that big of a deal. Luckily, it didn't come down to that, as you know, that could have been the Giants winning this game if he made that pick, so, we're okay there, uh, and, and it's more now. Now I want to go to the uh, Eagles' offense more than the Giants' defense. In the place where Jalen hurts, right? For all, like I was saying, I think earlier, right in the episode, all of you saying that Jalen hurts is better than uh, Daniel Jones. That that's a lie. After this game, he looked really. He was doing so well running the ball, and then when he threw it, it was atrocious. He was throwing it downfield into double coverage. That was that was you know McKinney's pick. Uh, it just wasn't good. He just wasn't good throwing the ball. So, I mean, he got three inter- he threw three interceptions today. Um, you know, the stat line would be fourteen for thirty one, one hundred twenty nine yards, and three interceptions. It's atrocious. The atrocious uh stat line. But yeah, I, I mean, I would like to point out because it looks a little different when you go to rushing eight carries for seventy seven yards. It's almost ten yards a carry, and then you go to throwing it and he has three picks. So maybe Jalen Hurts should just convert. Uh, go a different position and just become a running back for this Eagles team, and have your backup quarterback step up, whoever that is. I don't even know the backup quarterback is for the Eagles, but just to uh, yeah, I I, I don't know what we were doing with Hurts, but just a really bad game for him today. And and Nick Sirianni with tell you know having him throw deep like that. I mean, you can also put some blame on the Eagles head coach in that way. I don't know where they were targeting, but the Giants did a great job locking them up from for the most part. Uh. Only allowed or allowed zero points through the first three quarters, and then the uh, fourth quarter. Obviously, they got the Boston's got touchdown. Um, all right, you ready? Are you ready to go to the final drive, Alex? I think it's that point. Final
1: drive time. Final drive time. Oh
0: God! So basically, the Giants—they can't ice games. They cannot finish the game, finish football games whatsoever. It's always been that way. I swear, this is where I really think that the NFL is a scripted game. Uh, Because the Giants always make it that way in where they have to put fans on the edge of their goddamn seats. Every time, they can't nicely, clearly, easily win a football game. It can't happen. It can't happen. Us Giants fans can't have a nice, easy, cozy, sit in our bed, sit in front of a warm fire with the marshmallow victory. It can't happen. Happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoy Thursday. Giants and John Mara be like, yeah, we're not going to let that happen. It's Sunday now. Thursday was four days away. You enjoyed seeing your family on the holiday. You're not going to enjoy watching this Giants game because I'm not going to let it happen. Uh, as they can't close out games. And it doesn't even look like they want to close out games. That's a problem. That's really the problem. They it, it, Like, I understand we're trying to waste the clock. We're trying to run it down. Uh, but the three straight halfback dives, what does that really accomplish? Besides wasting the clock down because we're not getting a first down and then it turns out it's just a bad Riley Dixon punt to give them good field position in the end of things and speaking of it because I was thinking about running the clock clock timeout Joe Judge had some epic timeout calls in this game especially on the punt he really I I went crazy I I went I laughed so hard when he uh, looked at the Eagles punt blocking formation and then called the timeout. He really had to see what their formation was before he punted, mind you. Called the timeout, then Riley Dixon delivers a hell of a bad punt, and that was really, really great. And then another timeout called in the first half, <laughs> in the second quarter, with a bunch of time left. He called a timeout. I don't even remember the the specifics on that, uh, but just the one with the Eagles thing cracked me up. Cracked me up like. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 special teams genius, Joe Judge, really needed to call a timeout on that special teams play on that Riley Dixon pun that ended up being a bad pun anyway. Wow, real great job,
1: Judge. Sorry, Alex, go ahead. So I'm about to do something radical here. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I'm going to defend the offensive play calling before our, on that last offensive drive. For me, I'd run do exactly what they did, run the ball, I would have run the ball all three times, actually. I would not have done that play action with Daniel Jones or whatever where he had to sit down at the end. I would have run the ball three times, waste all their timeouts, and then hopefully you don't lose 10 yards. That would be important. So then you'd be up maybe 15 more yards. You'd have a good punt. That would give you another 15 more yards, hopefully, than that terrible punt by Riley Dixon. And then you're pinning them very deep. So that's what I would have done. Just run the ball three times, punted it away, and then hope our d- our defense played well all game, and they should play well enough to stop them from scoring a touchdown with a minute left. We gave them and the opportunity to go to Kenneth Gainwell, Kenneth Goddamn Gainwell,
0: Alex. Like for for two of the same route, I think it was like a curl for like sixteen yards and get out of bounds. They had basically no timeouts left. The the primary basis of the defense you would think at that point, running through their heads, which I'm sure Patrick Graham told them, keep them in bounds. Couldn't do that in the first few plays. They drove down. This whole game and all the the Phillies, the Eagles fans should blame, is Jalen Rager. Uh, There was a play down the left part of the the sideline that was in Rager's hands. I'm like watching it as I'm talking about it. That's why I'm looking down for anyone watching. Bobbled in his hands, and then Julian Love almost came up with the pick there. And then the final play of the game. The final play of the game, I thought it was just a bad throw. It was, but Rager was able to get up there. Got the yard, you know, got the air yards, uh, jump up in the air and
1: right through his hands. And Aaron Robinson was behind him on the play. Got to snag that in. And that was one of the plays that I said Aaron Robinson didn't have great coverage there. But, you know, we can't we can't just dwell on the other team forever, obviously, Mm, because then we're just going to get where it's just not going to be good. But, you Mm -hmm. know, obviously, the Eagles really shot themselves in the foot. And that's basically the main point of us talking about this (laughs) Yeah. and that the Giants really got lucky. <laughs>
0: Giants did really get lucky the Giants did really get lucky uh, Alex but I mean that was basically just the final drive the Giants of course can never sit tight you know and 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 give the Eagles uh, a kick in the ass basically like they can't be like yep we won no we have to give you a chance to win right like let's help you out here huh. And then the Eagles gave it right back and were like, hey, you know what? Let's give you the win. You know, we're going to drop two passes both in the end zone to win us the game. How about that? Congrats, Giants. So, you know, at that point, that's just what it was. That's how this game ended. But uh, just a bad job by um, by uh, Jalen Rager, right? Showing signs of, of Darius Slayton. And, uh, we've had that before, right? It's not like, you know, we've never had someone who can't catch balls in the end zone because we've had that earlier this season. So yeah, it's not that big of a deal, but anyway, I I think that's really it for this episode. Uh, I, I do really appreciate everyone listening. You can subscribe to the podcast everywhere you listen, subscribe on, uh, YouTube, like the video. Uh we are hoping to do more YouTube content, so please stay tuned because we have a lot of ideas written down here uh that we both kind of collaborated on that we're hoping to uh nail down in the future. And uh I'm trying to ShipItStudios.com Studios.com slash giant take. That's ShipItStudios.com slash giant take. I was getting to it. And then it's Instagram, Twitter, I would say in the order of yeah, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, uh the giant take pod is where you follow us there. Um and that's gonna be that's gonna be everything. Everything I want to say, I think, yeah. And the Giants play in Miami next week. Uh, Miami Dolphins. Right now, the updated NFC East standings. I want to do that before we kind of get out of here. It is in first place the Dallas Cowboys at seven and four. Eagles at five and seven. In second, Washington at four and six. In third, and the Giants after winning still sit in fourth. At four and five, four. Yes, four and seven. Uh, so, yeah, next weekend, 1 o'clock game against the uh, Miami Dolphins down in Florida, Miami, Florida. Alex, you want to wrap it up?
1: Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. Enjoy while you can. Not often the Giants win, and we'll see everyone next time to preview the Miami Dolphins game in Miami. There we go. Happy victory.
0: Happy Victory Monday.
1: Happy Victory Monday.